there. Dr. Alan Hedberg here again, and this is the Psychology Report. Today I would like to um, bring to your attention the concept that elections have consequences. You know, when you have elections like we just recently experienced, there are winners and there are losers, and there are issues that prevail and issues that do not prevail among the voting public. You know, we just had an um, election and in several states, a ballot measure was put before the voters as to whether they would allow physician-assisted death or physician-assisted suicide in their state. Well, today we have four states that allow that. California, Oregon, Vermont, and Washington. Those are the four states that allow physician-assisted death or suicide if a person can be determined that they are in the last six months of their life due to the fact that they have some kind of chronic illness, chronic disease that is irreversible and death is inevitable. So in other words, six months to die, if a person wants to shorten that period of time by taking a particular pill, he can go to his doctor and the doctor can determine whether he qualifies for this particular procedure. Now, here's how it works. The doctor must get a second opinion. In other words, there must be two physicians that agree that the person has a disease or a medical condition that has shortened his life and is now in the last six months of life. And the doctor must also consider if a psychological evaluation should be requested or required determine if a person really is in their full mind and can make that kind of decision, and if a person is depressed, severely depressed or not, and other kind of factors that might, you know, contribute. In other words, psychologically, could a person be uh, allowed to live longer or uh, facilitated to live longer than the six months and live in a higher quality of life during the waning months or year of their life? Now, we know that there is no absolute uh, determination of life. No doctor can absolutely determine that a person is going to die within six months. Now they have guesses and they have data and information that might help them make that determination, but there's no absolute. So it is a guess. The other thing is that many people who have requested the medication, the pill basically, uh, to go home and take it, take out. They get cold feet. About 40% of the population that request a pill and are given a pill by their physician do not take it because they change their mind. Others it doesn't work with. Small percentage, about 10% or more, uh, they take the pill but it doesn't work. For some reason the body rejected it. And it's now uh, an event that will not take place. So a patient then is obviously embarrassed and what do you do? You go back and ask for another one? I don't think the law allows for that in these kind of states. So we have the situation where uh, people do have alternatives. And whether or not all those alternatives have been explored, that's what a doctor has to determine. In other words, what about hospice? Hospice is a way to help people ease the dying process so it isn't so traumatic, it isn't so painful, it isn't so lonely. So people can have options through the hospice programs available in their community. 
Well, what about just other forms of treatment that have not been yet tried or considered? New treatments come on the scene. Uh, other doctors might have other ideas. Uh, any one doctor doesn't have all the ideas. So is there a sharing? Is there a uh, kind of a community pool that doctors can uh, bring a case and see if, in fact, everybody agrees that this is an end result disease of some kind, or whether it's resolvable in some other way. In other words, have doctors, have physicians really considered all the options? What about a physician who doesn't participate in that kind of action for religious reasons or personal reasons for whatever they might be? Can he opt out of such a program in a state? Well, some states don't allow that. Some do. Uh, what about a doctor who prefers to have what we call a uh, life or death-free zone. Uh, in other words, this is a doctor that has an office that's not going to participate, not going to provide pills and medication to assist in the death. Now, doctors can have all kinds of options. Doctors have all kinds of reasons to participate and all kinds of reasons not to participate in physician-assisted uh, suicide at the last six months of life. You see, the way I see it is that people line themselves up on two sides. On one side, we have the death squad, if you think of it that way. And the other one is you have the life squad. Now, on the death squad, the people who are on that side have to be consistent. And I assume that they are consistent. In other words, they agree on abortion because that is the death of a baby prior to birth and after conception. Now, we know that life begins at about time of conception, which is 24 hours after a sexual act has been engaged in, and there's been uh, conception. So life is about 24 hours into that, and people who believe in abortion are on the death squad, if you will. People who then believe in the physician-assisted suicide are on the death side. That's being consistent. So they believe in abortion, they believe in the assisted suicide, and they believe in euthanasia. That is, a person can request uh, early death if they are in a painful disease or disorder of some kind and want to live a life much shorter than they would otherwise. And then you have the death penalty. So they would be in favor of the death penalty. Anybody who's on that death side of the ledger, you know, needs to be consistent. Death penalty, euthanasia, physician-assisted suicide, and abortion. Now, we can't pick and choose. So if you're going to have an, a, a consistent pattern of values and a consistent uh, way of, of looking at life and death, then you line yourself up on those four issues on the death side, or what I call the death squad. And on the other side, you have the life squad, people who are opposed to abortion. They want life. People who are opposed to physician suicide because they want people to live it out and naturally die according to uh, when their number is up, so to speak, you see? And people who are against euthanasia. And then people who are against the death penalty. They have life in prison or other options, but not the death penalty. So you have what I call the life squad. So people who are on one side or the other need to be consistent, need to think it through, need to say, look, if I'm going to be in favor of death in this situation, I need to be in favor of death all the way through these four different ways of bringing about termination of life.
So it really is kind of a, comes down to kind of a moral and a legal question. Just because something is legal doesn't make it moral. And you have to come to terms with that as an individual. You have to determine whether your position is legal, and then you have to determine whether your position is morally acceptable to you. But you can live with it. Your conscience can live with it. And these are tough questions, and these are tough decisions to make, particularly when you're making decisions like that for family members or people who you love and people you care for, people who are part of your life. These are really tough decisions, especially when not everybody's on the same side of the ledger. People have different opinions on these things. You have to stand up and make your opinion known, even if it's in contrary to what other people you know, think. So this was a tough year. Our elections are, were tough this year, a lot of reasons. Not only did we have uh, an election that put Hillary to bed, but we also had an election now that brings about physician-assisted suicide in a number of states, and other states will now follow. Uh, so just that's something to kind of keep our eye on. Besides the elections this year and making some very major uh, changes in our world and the directions of our world and its future, uh, now we, that we have a new president coming online, there are other things that happened this year that are just kind of points of interest that need to be identified and maybe to some degree celebrated. This today uh, happens to be November the 22nd. This is the 53rd anniversary of the death of John F. K., President Kennedy. I remember where I was standing when he was shot and killed. I remember where I was standing when the news came to us and said he had just died. He went to Park Hospital and died. I remember that day. And I was teaching. I was teaching at Wheaton College. I was teaching a class in psychology. And um, that's when the news came. 53 years ago, today. That day is just as strong today in my mind as it was on September 11. 2001, when we had the towers come down. That was a very powerful event as well, and changed the world and changed each of us individually. I remember where I was at the very moment that took place as I watched it unfold on television. I was in a nursing home. I was talking to an older patient, and on the television screen over her bed, I noticed all the activity and looked at it, and there it was, the towers in the act of coming down and burning, and the plane just having gone into the windows. So I remember that. I don't know if you remember it, but it was an event that changed the world. You know, but there was a kind of happy point this year, too. The Cubs won. After 108 years, and the Cubs finally won a pennant. So we'll always remember this year as the year of the Cubs. But, you know, there's another one that's been kind of interesting. This year is the Kaepernick year. The Kaepernick year. Colin Kaepernick, quarterback for the San Francisco uh, Giants. And here, here he was, uh, a great football quarterback. And he got himself all mixed up in his thinking. He began to oppose the national anthem. He would no longer stand for the national anthem and would just sit or kneel. And in disrespect to the flag and to the uh, veterans who... Uh, brought about our freedom and fought for our freedom, in disrespect for the American people, disrespect for our government. He then tried to play football. And you know that got all mixed up. The San Francisco team has now lost nine games in a row under his leadership. So you see, when you take a stand in contrast and contrary to what is right and just and good, you often pay a consequence for that. And other people pay a consequence 
you know, as well. Now we find out that Kaepernick has had his contract shortened, and at the end of the season in March, he, in, in all likelihood, will be outside of a job. Now, whether somebody else will pick him up, we don't yet know. But he's a high risk. But you see, when you look at a guy like that, not only was he a great football player in his day, but a man who tried to inter- interject kind of a value system that was contrary to America, tried to interject a kind of a, a thought pattern that was uh, going to be obnoxious, you know, to the American people. And what happened? He lost. He lost. And now he's most likely without a job. But you know, when you look into his life a little bit further, he's never voted. He's never voted. He's not, he does not register to vote. And he didn't vote this year. And here he's making all of these pitches and all these uh, claims about America, yet he doesn't vote. He doesn't participate in the American process. He does not participate in the bringing about an American dream, however he determines it and however he thinks about it. But he just snubs the American way of life. But he's the benefactor of a huge amount of money that the American people provide for him by going to a game to watch him play and others. This doesn't seem fair, does it? Doesn't seem right, does it? So maybe in a sense, the fate of Mr. Kavernick is well-determined and well-deserved. But that's up for everybody to judge and determine themselves. But you know, each of these events bring us back home to say, you know, what about me? You know, what did I learn from the death of President Kennedy and for his life when he did live it for the number of days that he lived? And what did I learn from the Twin Towers that came down in New York and on September 11? What did I learn from that? How did it change my life? How did it affect me? How am I still affected by that, you see? What do I learn from the Kaepernick kind of experience? You know, whether I have agreement, whether I'm in agreement with him or not, but what do I learn from that, you see? What I learned about the persistence of the Cubs over the, all these years of losing, 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 and then finally coming forth and winning the uh, championship. And what do you learn from that kind of behavior and that kind of activity that the Cubs put forth to be a winner you know, this, this year? What do you learn from the favorable outcome for Mr. Trump and the unfavorable outcome for Ms. Hillary? Uh, how, do you, how do you benefit? from these kind of experiences? How do you derive some kind of gain or personal uh, improvement or personal growth just as a result of these kind of experiences and reflecting on them and just being part of that time in history when these kind of events took place? You know, dates give us perspective. Dates gave us, you know, give us a kind of a sense of, of uh, uh, perspective on not only history and culture, but in our own life. Uh, every every nationality, every race of people have certain dates that mean certain things to them and important things to them and meaningful things to them. Those dates need to be honored and be praised and be uh, recognized, just as the dates that are painful and the dates that are great celebration you know, for all of us. Uh, cultural dates, racial dates, political dates, anniversaries, birthdays, and all the other kind of dates are all meaningful. We need to look in terms of what do we gain by recognizing certain dates, certain experiences, and certain events that have taken place in our history and in the American history. Reflect on that and make it personal. Just say, how am I better because of these kind of events?
Well, this has been the Psychology Report. Thanks for uh, tuning in and being part of the uh, podcast today. And just remember, my uh, website is um, booksbyhedberg.com. Booksbyhedberg.com. There's a number of books there that might be worth not only you reading, but buying for somebody for a Christmas gift this year. So you can purchase it right there. Just go to booksbyhedberg.com. Pick up a book. might be helpful to you, and I would appreciate that. And certainly uh, thank you for not only buying, but, you know, reading one of my books and, you know, benefiting from it. Oh, that, that gives me great joy. Okay, bye for now.